Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great America Show. Thanks for being with us. I've got to tell you, our nation's capital is a mess. President Biden is simply out of it. And he's really testing the outer limits of the public's patience with his silly prattle, blaming COVID and Putin for soaring gasoline prices, claiming that releasing crude oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve will have a significant impact on gasoline prices. And then when he said Americans will save 80 bucks a month by buying an electric car. Sounds like a great deal, huh? 80 bucks a month. All you have to do is spend 60000 for a car. This is all Biden crazy talk. And then he says families can save $500 a month by switching to renewable energy. There's another great idea. But, oh, wait, a quick White House correction. Make that 500 bucks a year. This Biden White House is a joke. They can't even do third-grade math. Something else weird. First, a Supreme Court nominee, Katanji Brown-Jackson, couldn't define woman. And now the Washington Post is being mocked for being way too woke on social media for using the phrase pregnant people. That's right, pregnant people in a report on COVID infections among expectant mothers. I won't blame Biden for all this woke nonsense, but it did become a lot worse under Biden. He seems to awaken the woke among the left, and neither the president or the woke left are very popular right now. But the White House seems to just flat not care about what the polls say. That's not a bad development for the nation, in my opinion, or for the Republicans in November. John McLaughlin is here today for all the rest of us who do care what the polls are saying to talk about what his monthly poll on presidential approval and all that it portends for November. John McLaughlin, great to have you with us here. Your poll is, uh, I think, fascinating because I don't think anybody was expecting a bounce, but to see Biden's numbers this bad, uh, your reaction to what you polled? Uh, my reaction is they're they're ignoring the polls. They're just doubling down on failure. And when you look at 65% of uh, all Americans think the country's on the wrong track, only 29% right direction. What's worse is that 53% of the voters already think we're in a recession because the top issue is inflation. And when you ask, are we going to get better or worse? 70% of all voters say worse, only 25 better. And that is the highest we've probably ever seen. Even during the height of COVID, it wasn't that high when the economy was shut down. So that's a really distressing signal because, uh, you know, the policies that got us here. I mean, let's let's face it. Donald Trump left the country with a growing economy, vaccines. There was the majority of Americans thought back then that the economy was getting better, not worse. And, uh, you know, so there was this optimism. And then as Biden kept implementing his policies and 
you saw the price of gas start to rise. You saw inflation start to kick in. Government spending, there were, there were national debt went to 30 trillion in a year. And then he surrenders Afghanistan back in August. His numbers have collapsed. And for the last three months, we've had him holding steady at only 41% approval. And again, this is a likely voter model poll. So there's other polls now that have him below that because they're doing all adults and you know, uh, 57% still disapprove. It was 57% in January, 57% in February, 57% this month. And some pundits had said to me, do you think after the State of the Union, Biden's numbers would improve? And I said, not until you, you know, they might, but next morning when you buy gas or you go to a supermarket, you know, you're not going to be happy. And uh, so his numbers have, have been, you know, in the basement and it's fueling a Republican red wave because now we've got uh, a number that's higher than 2010 or 2014 where the Republicans generically are beating a generic Democrat for Congress 48 to 44 and of the 8% that's undecided uh, three quarters think the economy's I think that the uh, uh, country's on the wrong track and 70% disapprove the job that Biden's doing so there's a hidden vote in the undecided for Congress where the Republicans could probably get 52 to 54 percent of the national vote for Congress in November. Uh, but there's seven months, so they have time to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So. And you, we all know that they will try the Republicans. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I loved your note, though, on that issue of the undecided, saying that the undecideds really aren't undecided because they don't like the way the country is moving. They they're very pessimistic. And that puts them, uh, as you note, really in the Republican column, doesn't it? Right. And a lot of them are younger voters that the Democrats were counting on because they won the under 40 vote against President Trump. Uh, but they were counting on making that a part of the permanent coalition. And what you've got is you've got what I call the post-COVID uh, Gen Z, let's go Brandon generation is in revolt because they want freedom. They want opportunity again. And here you are, you know, saddle was student loans and debt and you can't get a job that you really want and you know there's a lot of job opportunities i mean unemployment is low but it's not what people had thought and and now you you know you, you're looking at you know can you afford an apartment can you afford a it certainly can't afford a home it's like you know they can't go out and buy a new car because if you wanted to buy a new car whether it's electric or not there's a shortage of mike of uh chips so yeah. so used cars are way up and and there's no new cars to go buy and this is joe biden's economy this is joe biden's america that we talked about during the trump campaign and it's and it's really bad plus if you live in an urban area or suburban area crime is up and it's affecting everybody so you you know you don't want to be on the new york city subways you don't want to be in the downtowns where you know younger voters like to go they're afraid to go out at night uh, so it's it's you know, it's it's really bad. Plus, now you got to be concerned if Joe Biden could put us in World War Three. I mean, his weakness has really manifested itself in Russian aggression, and China's just yeah. watching this. And the Iranians are going to get a nuclear weapon again, thanks to Joe Biden. And you know, he's probably not going to bring it to the Senate. He's going to have some bad deal that uh, the the Revolutionary Guard from Iran is no longer terrorists, and we can start giving Iran billions of dollars and buying their oil and um, allowing Russia to negotiate the deal and then give them a $10 billion deal to build a nuclear reactor for the uh, Iranians. I mean, the, it's nuts. It's to totally nuts. Why should his numbers improve? He's destroying the world and the country. 
and and it's clear that the left expects those numbers to improve with each passing day, uh, or at least they project that expectation. Uh, to that end, I've got to ask you before we go, I, there are so many incredible issues and stories and events I want to talk to you about uh, today. But I have to ask you, who is doing the polling for this White House? Because today, you know, uh, National uh, Transgender Visibility Day, right. Biden is embracing transgenderism for children. Uh, he is clearly put, interposing himself and his administration between parents, the schools, their own children, whether it's mandates uh, for vaccinations, which are absolutely, the science says, unnecessary for five-year-olds and younger. Uh, just isn't, it's a crazy thing that they're talking about doing. It's a highly profitable thing for big pharma, but it's a crazy thing for those children. This president is making all sorts of decisions and supporting uh, all sorts of initiatives that blunt parental rights or abrogate those rights and are offensive as hell. Well, to your, to your first question, the first part is, uh, the, you know, Joe Biden's campaign, they had smart political operatives. You had Mike Donilon, you had Anita Dunn, and he did, Anita Dunn has left. Uh, you have John Anzalone who does polling, and certainly the Democrats know the polling. They know, they know exactly what's going on in terms of uh, public opinion in America. And, uh, you know, so you're seeing a situation where um, they're just ideologues, and they're trying to implement this agenda. And you know, it's it's not just uh, it's not just a, in terms of as you were asking about with the transgender day, et cetera. Um, you know, that's that's uh, that's something that most Americans we found in last month in our polls on McLaughlinOnline.com that 68% of all voters don't think biological men should be competing with biological women uh, in sports, and uh, you now have a uh, like uh, even overseas in Hungary, we're doing an election for Prime Minister Orban, who's supported by President Trump. And on Sunday, there'll be, a, you know, four ballot uh, propositions where should, you know, bureaucrats in Brussels be deciding uh, what's best for children and should they be allowed to uh, be taught about uh, transgender choice and and have operations where the parents lose control. And you've seen Governor DeSantis in Florida copy that law. And, uh, you know, it doesn't say like Governor DeSantis is, it says it never mentions gay or anything in the bill. It just talks about children from kindergarten through third grade um, shouldn't be Five. taught uh, of sexual content. Yeah. Five to nine years old. They didn't want to explain that. <laughs> Five-year-olds, six and seven and eight and nine-year-old kids. Uh, it, it it just it is just disgusting what the teachers unions are behind, what the Democratic Party is behind. And you know what else is appalling is that the Republicans and I'm talking about at the community level have put up with these ignorant fools because they're supposed to be intelligent teachers, uh, you know, bringing enlightenment to our children instead of this disgusting and decent material which has nothing to do with reading, writing, and arithmetic uh, whatsoever. I, I, I just can't understand how they can blindly proceed with this and, by the way, prevail in nearly every instance. Well, now you're seeing a parents' revolution across the country where uh, basically parents during COVID, I mean, COVID has changed so much in the United States, but, you know, 
before COVID, people would put their children in a school bus or drop them off at school and the teachers would have them in the classroom. And you really didn't know what was going on, and, you know, except when we would come back with the homework or the assignments or the parent teachers meeting. And during COVID, people were zooming in with their kids to, you know, get their daily lessons. And they were finding out there was something going on that didn't have to do with math and reading and writing and other things. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that caused the revolt. You saw it in Virginia last year. You, you're seeing it go on this year where parents don't want their children to be politically indoctrinated in the classroom. They want, it, they want them to get a good education to succeed in life and move on. And they don't want, they don't want this kind of propaganda that has nothing to do with uh, nothing to do with the purpose of, yeah, I, you know, their, their children's well-being. You know, I, I have the feeling that there is a certain amount of privilege involved in this, a sense of entitlement. But it's the entitlement of the left. It's the entitlement of those who think that they are actually uh, superior to those working class families, those working men and women and their families. And I get outraged. I mean, I my blood boils when I see a teacher uh, speaking down uh, to a parent of a kid, uh, I, I just can't stand it because those, if anybody in here has a, goes to a, has a kid going to that school with that teacher behaving that way, uh, my advice is get on, you know, just simply say that you're going to demand respect and you want your questions answered and you want your school board involved and you want your superintendent to report to the citizens of your community. Because we can't put up with this this crap anymore. Uh, I, I'm just tired of having a, a, a elites, you know, with their with their major and from university in a subject that uh, that they don't even teach. Only 10% of teachers are actually teaching subjects that they majored in. Uh, we've got to get by this, and we've really got to make sure that people understand they're working for the community. They're working for the for the parents uh, and for those kids. Client number one, instead of treating them as if they're some sort of social experiment or biological experiment, for God's sake. Right. And and, and, you, and you're right that there's a huge opportunity for the Republicans. And what's it, what it is, is the conservative movement, the Trump movement is basically lifting them up and, and going to put candidates into primaries, win those primaries, have those candidates on the ballot in November, and they will win elections because families and parents across America are saying, you know, we want our children to learn about men and women and be called boys and girls in school and basically, um, you know, be respected for who they are rather than, you know, this globalization, because it's not just, it's not just uh, education. You're seeing on other issues where they think it's good that we pay five or $6 a gallon of gasoline, <laughs> you know, when you go to fill up the pump and you've got in our polls, You've got Americans saying we ought to increase oil and gas production 68%, only 24% opposed to it. But they have this radical climate change agenda that they think they know better than us. And they're killing working class Americans where, you know, people on fixed incomes, people who aren't getting the raises. It's 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 like having this inflation is having like a $5,000 tax on the average, average family and our standard of living is declining so that you know, we serve some radical agenda, uh, whether it's they control what we learn in schools, what what uh, we can get paid, uh, what, you know, goes on to heat our homes uh, to, to basically what how much we pay in the supermarkets for groceries and food every day. 
it's it's really a um, it's really very radical, and it's it's way beyond what Americans thought they were uh, engaging in in the last election, in the 2020 election. This is changing all the re- voting coalitions and giving a huge opportunity to the Republicans if they if their candidates. Um, you know, come through and 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 contrast and fight and make sure that we uh, have a different agenda than the, than the Biden Democrats this November. Yeah, you know, I do have to give the Republicans, the House Republicans, credit. They decided finally to do something aggressive, to take action, and they're asking the Biden White House why the Biden administration is not sanctioning North Korea and China, as well as Russia. I, I've just got to say to Kevin McCarthy, who I'm no fan of, as you know, uh, he is a rhino th- th- through and through. But to get this message to the White House and, and to the American people, I think is absolutely critical and good on the Republicans in the House for doing so. Yes. And, and, and you know what? They're, they're seeing good polls and they're seeing the results and they're realizing that they have to do this because they want to win. And the good part is if they win with this mandate, they'll have to enact the agenda and get America back on track. Because right now, with two thirds of the country, every vote we can get is in the two thirds of 65 percent that think we're on the wrong track. And every vote we can get is in the 57 percent that disapproves of what Biden's doing. And the great part about elections is people can vote for change. They can vote to make it happen. And then we can hold those elected officials accountable uh, to fix the things that they're being sent to Washington and go fix and to the state capitals or school boards or local town halls across America. Yeah, I, I hope that it's more than the, you know, the 2008, uh, uh, hope and change, uh, kind of, uh, mantra from the Republicans, because I really think they have to go back to what was it? 94, 96, where they're actually talking about a specific, contract a specific agenda with promises to the american people i, I hope that's where they land because yeah, that's what yeah, oh, go ahead. i'm sorry to interrupt but no, that's no. what our friend newt gingrich is advising him on and i think kevin mccarthy's reacting to his caucus where they have working groups and talking about a commitment to america that they're going to put this out before the election so people can actually see so it, it, it allays voter cynicism and at the same time it will excite voters to come out and vote in November that there'll be an alternative and a, and a, and a more sane, uh, practical, uh, hopeful vision, uh, you know, for the Republicans to have a majority in Congress and not just the House, but also the Senate. Yeah, it's that's exciting. And to have Newt there is important. Uh, it's also, you know, maybe somebody should get one of the advisors from the Clinton administration from that period as well. Because that was a significant piece of uh, strate- strategic combat uh, at the time, uh, which uh, obviously uh, Newt won uh, for the short term, at least. Uh, and I'd like to see something far more positive and permanent than that. Uh, I also, I've got to, I've just got to say, too, that Madison Cawthorn, I don't know if you're aware of this development, apparently Kevin McCarthy told him to watch his words, brought him in to talk to him because. Uh, Madison Cawthorn was talking uh, talking about uh, a, uh, going to an orgy where there were drugs and uh, sex, uh, and Kevin McCarthy decided to make this elevate the issue by going to uh, having a talk with Madison Cawthorn. 
what is your, you know, he was, by the way, I should say being invited to, not that he did, uh, right. that is Madison Cawthorn. Uh, your reaction to, to this? Well, full disclosure, we polled for Madison to get him elected to Congress uh, in 2020. Good and you. I've not polled for him since. Well, well it, it, right, it was good to beat the Democrat. The Democrat in that seat was really radical and, uh, you know, it was like pro Guantanamo Bay kind of <laughs> terrorist. Oh, great. Stuff. He had a really <laughs> bizarre record. But the... Uh, um, but it, but we pulled from back then. We haven't pulled from this time, and I, I, I'm not sure I'm going to because I think he's changed his team. But I have not spoken to him about this. And as you said, he said he was invited. And I think uh, the, the right way is is because you saw Fe Freedom Caucus members saying, well, if that's happening, you need to name names. Because yep. the one thing we have to make sure is a lot of what's going on with Biden is corruption. And Washington is a swamp. Yep. And, you know, the, although, you know, like we've got our polls where 58 percent of the voters think Biden should take a cognitive test and make it public. And they think that people, the president now should be tested regularly and reporting the health 75, 17. And they think Pelosi should have a cognitive test 61 percent. Um, and they don't think Biden's going to make it through the term 55 percent. They think Harris will be the, the president before the end of his term. Um, although people are worried about his health, ultimately. I think a lot of the uh, problems we're seeing goes to corruption. And, you know, it's, you wonder about, okay, Hunter's laptop and the Biden family, you know, they were getting paid millions and possibly tens of millions of dollars right. from Chinese special interests, from Ukrainian special interests, from Russian oligarchs. Um, they, they were on the payroll. So what does Putin know about them that we don't know about? Yeah. And the, the FBI, some some FBI official who's in charge of cybersecurity, when he was asked where where the uh, uh, when he was asked about where the Hunter Biden laptop was, he said he didn't know. So they've had this in their possession for three years or so, and they may have lost it. Yeah. Um, I think there's a real serious problem with corruption, and all this goes back to, you know, a lot of what Biden's doing, um, Green New Deal. Uh, a lot of what they're doing in terms of government spending and handouts, the so-called infrastructure that's not infrastructure, it flat out goes to corruption and benefits special interests that, that are basically destroying the America and taking from the middle class and you know wrecking our standard of living, increasing our debt, increasing government spending to basically you know help in, in, in yeah, corrupt I... politicians here and enemies abroad, which is a really serious thing a very serious thing and on, on this broadcast and throughout my career uh i have focused on uh government corruption uh, uh the corruption of our globalist elites whether they're on wall street or corporate america that makes a lot of people uncomfortable but it also uh, happens to be the truth and this e even though uh you know we are definitely on this broadcast uh pro for first america uh, America first, and uh, without a doubt, want the Republicans to prevail. I want the truth about the Republicans out there too, because I can't. I don't understand who's polling for Kevin McCarthy and who his political counselors are, because when he asked this uh, Cawthorn, uh, who I don't know at all, uh, he has a, uh, you know, he has a history like everyone else. Uh, I'm not sure quite how to read it always, 
But naming names would have been the appropriate thing for him to have done rather than telling him to watch his words and be silent. It's entirely the wrong message for the new Republican Party. The Republican Party representing the American people is populist in energy and purpose, and it has to be open and transparent. And my God, I don't think you could, I don't think the Republicans could lose a race if they would just be uh, everything uh, that they ought to be, which is transparent, highly energized for the fundamental values in the American family and working man and woman and small business people. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good group of people to represent. Absolutely. And, and when you look at it, you know, if you're going to be the anti-corruption party, I mean, look what the Democrats threw at us for four years, the dossier. And now they have this, it's, the dossier is totally phony. Um, it's, you know, yesterday the Clinton campaign was fined and the DNC a million dollars for misreporting the phony dossier on the RFPC documents. Well, you know, Durham needs to keep that investigation going because it, it did such damage, not just to the Trump administration, but to the country. Because they, all they were doing was bogging us down and totally, totally phony investigations Every, that led to a phony impeachment. Yeah. And now you got a January 6th commission that's a, can, a, a kangaroo court. You got two anti-Trump Republicans, you know, on on this committee with Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. And they wouldn't let John Jordan or, or not Jim Jordan or uh, uh, Jim Banks appoint any Republicans to that committee and it's a one-sided kangaroo court and they're trying to affect the future election so i i have to uh, tell you that, that cor I, if, corruption is rampant if, if i'd been kevin mccarthy i would have told them you know what we're doing as a conference until we have our people on that committee we're not cooperating in any way and you can just do whatever the hell you please because we won't yeah. make a quorum and we're not going to be there uh, to put up with this kind of corruption he should have stood up uh, instead, they fold up like the lawn chairs they've been for the past 25 years. Well, well the Democrats are better at, at that kind of political show than we are. Yeah. But um, I can't disagree with you that uh, that that's an important moment where I, I, I know he's opposed to it. I know he's speaking out against it. It is ultimately, you know, they removed Liz Cheney from conference chair. But, it, it, you know, I'm like, you want to just remove her from the party. And ultimately, the voters of Wyoming will have a primary in August and they will vote her out of office. And uh, that'll be that. And, uh, um, you know, the voters are going to if, if if the Republicans don't lead, the voters will lead them. And they'll, you know, they'll, in, in effect, throw out the Biden Pelosi Democrats. And we'll see new candidates that really stand up for integrity and transparency. Well, you know, all of this presupposes, John that the election won't be rigged like 2020. Right. And now people can talk honestly about it because the evidence is mounting by almost the, well, certainly the week, if not the day, uh, that these irregularities, anomalies, et cetera, uh, they're, <laughs> they were without question uh, a necessary part of the Biden victory. Uh, and, you know, when you sift through it all and balance it out, I don't know who prevails, but I know one thing. It shouldn't have been Biden uh, with that vote count that he received. I don't know what the vote should have been, but I know that those votes were wrong. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, that's why you see them. You know, when people say, oh, the president shouldn't talk about this, it's the big lie. You're, you're seeing things come across in Georgia and Wisconsin where 
um, those mail-in ballots and the ballot harvesting and the drop boxes were all funded for tax exempt, by the way, a lot of it uh, through nonprofits that Mark Zuckerberg paid for and David Plouffe strategized yep. about because he was on Zuckerberg's payroll and no one's getting to the bottom of it. There should be an FEC investigation there. Should There should be an IRS investigation into tax exempt status of those nonprofits because it was partisan. They put the drop boxes and they had Democrat operatives, you know, privatizing the elections, you know, where God knows, you know, which ballots made it to the polls and which didn't. There's tens of thousands of ballots in Georgia. There's no chain of custody records for when they would pick up a drop boxes. No. And now the Democrats are like trying to fight and sue to undermine the election law that was finally passed that, you know, you have secure drop boxes in government offices that are watched. So a person can only drop in even one ballot. Permit them. They shouldn't even permit them. Uh, they're yeah. illegal in, 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 in many, if not most, jurisdictions. I mean, That's it's, true. It's nuts. Like, uh, last and, year, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, last year in New York State, the Conservative Party, we fought three propositions in deep blue New York, counting illegals and redistricting. That was Prop 1. Prop 3 was same-day registration in a state where you're not allowed to ask for voter ID. And then Prop 4 was no excuse absentees. And guess what? Every one of those props went down to defeat in a two to one deep blue state where 56 to 58 percent of the majority of voters said, no, they weren't going to enable fraud in New York. So uh, um, so that so voters get it and they understand the Democrats are trying to get rid of voter ID and have no verification of these absentees and enable ballot harvesting. And we're one of the few, and and we're one of the few countries uh, uh, in the developed world that doesn't have voter identification uh, as a requirement for casting a ballot. Uh, And no one wants, seemingly in the national media, wants to even raise the issue as to why the Democrats are so, so adamantly opposed. Uh, It's because they want to cheat. It's what they do. And and that's why I asked you at the beginning, how can the Biden White House ignore common sense, common decency, uh, and the judgment to serve in the national interest? And there's only one answer. He's not worried about how people are going to vote because he has decided or someone else has decided pretty much how that vote's going to look in 2022. What do you think of that possibility? Well, like was it Joseph Stalin said, it's not who votes, it's who's who's counts the Absolutely. votes. Absolutely. And that's what they're operating by. And you're right. When I worked in Israel for Bibi Netanyahu, you know, you had to show up. There was a national ID card. You know, I'm not in favor of national ID cards, but they have them in Israel. Right. And anybody can vote, Arab or Jewish or Christian or whatever, you can vote. And But you, you have to prove who you are. And Israelis have to fly back to their country to vote on election day. It's only on election day. During COVID, there might've been some limited mail-in ballots for the very sick, but that was it. And in most European countries, it's the same thing. You gotta show up in person, be a national and go vote. Although the EU in their municipal elections, they let non-citizens vote if Uh they're from like another country or something like that. And that's working out splendidly. That's working out splendidly for them, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, and when you can see the, you can see the, uh, the corrosive corruption again that Soros funds over there, you know, he's funding over here. Where in New York City, they want 800,000 non citizens to be able to vote in municipal elections. And it passed the city council, and the Democrats in Albany are allowing it to happen. And 
or Governor Hochul or stand up against it. Like, can again, full disclosure, I work for Lee Zeldin. He's going to fight it. And because you know what will happen is you get 800,000 non-citizens voting in New York. The next thing you know, they'll call a special election on the presidential election. And they'll be in the ballot places. <laughs> it's just, but the corruption, that's the Biden corruption. They know exactly what they're doing. They basically want to uh, promote uh, ballot harvesting and enable fraud. And uh, it's not about the last election. It's about the next election for them because they're in such trouble in these polls. They know the only way to try to be successful again is to rig the elections. Yeah. And we got to fight them and stop them. And do you see any, uh, I, I do want to go here. Do you see any sign in any state, in any precinct in this country where the Republican Party is pounding on his chest rolling up its sleeves and working like hell to make sure that the that this election uh, has is secure and is a an election with integrity well well going back to 2020 i think you saw it in certain states north carolina they fought the legislature and that's why trump won the state texas remember all those polls that were dead even or losing texas Well, Texas, the Attorney General Ken Paxton fought the Mark Elias, Obama, Clinton, Biden-funded lawsuits and won, and Trump was able to win in Texas. And in Florida, you have the Republicans controlling the governorship, the legislature, and you know they have drop boxes there and they have early mail-in ballots, but they're secure and they're watched by both sides that you have, uh, you know, ballot security. Yeah. And Trump won Florida. And now you have, for the first time that I can ever remember, there's more Republicans registered in Florida than there are Democrats. And some of that's a outmigration of Republicans from blue states into Florida, where they wanted to go for freedom and, you know, normal life during COVID (laughs) and escape high taxes. But, you know, still, there are more Republicans registered to vote than Democrats in Florida. So... There are pockets of what I would call resistance in the United States where we are fighting uh, to preserve our freedoms and and to preserve, you know, a fair and honest democracy. But, you know, in other places like New York State, I mean, the Democrats, you know, twice we passed uh, a referendum to have a nonpartisan or bipartisan uh, redistricting commission and the Democrats just ignored it, you know railroaded the law and to, to knock Republicans down from eight seats to four seats in Congress. Seeing the same thing in Illinois, seeing the same thing in California. And uh, they're playing hardball. And not as good as the Democrats in terms of going state by state, district by district, and unrigging the rigged elections. And, you know, think about, think about uh, you know, the last election in 2020. The Republican National Committee does not have a center on fraud and abuse. We should be out there proving that there were fraudulent votes. And, you know, too often, like the, the attorney general and not a U- attorney general, U.S. attorney in Pennsylvania uh, wouldn't uh, didn't investigate the fraud uh, charges in Philadelphia. Right. Don't explain. Now he's running for governor. I mean, you can't. And again, I'm a, again, full disclosure, I'm working for Dave White, a Trump Republican who's opposing him. And, and it, you've got you got situations where the rhinos rolled over 
and we shouldn't have rolled over. We should be outing fraud and, and uh, corruption wherever we can, because elections are the fundamental process of democracy. If you don't have honest elections, um, you don't have a democracy. Yeah. And, and, and Ronna McDaniel and the RNC, I, I'm just going to say this out loud again. Ronna McDaniel and the RNC are an absolute uh, pathetic shadow of what they should be. Uh, and by the way, uh, it's, it's not the rhino's uh, credit uh, that she's there and the, and the sops who are sitting there running a, the RNC like a bank. Uh, it, it's, it's the Republicans who are conservative. Uh, and yes, some of them are America firsters who have just been duped uh, and lazy and did not insist on making sure that's a Trump organization. Uh, it's outrageous to me. What do you think? Yeah, I would have taken a more Reagan-esque approach to uh, uh, to what happened. Like, I'm old enough to remember when Reagan took over the White House, he put in Don Devine and, you know, controlled the personnel at the White House and fired a lot of people. Yep. And tr the Trump transition did not do that because you had people like Vindman and other people in the basement of the White House undermining the president because they were still left there. They should have been, like, totally turfed out. And that kind of policy in the government should have extended to the RNC because I, you know, I remember, you know, when Reagan came in, he definitely changed, uh, you know, he put Fa Frank Farrenkopf in charge of the RNC, he had Ed Rollins running his campaign. Um, and then when Bush won, George H.W. Bush, uh, you had uh, Lee, Lee Atwater did the same thing when he took over in 88. He basically fired the Bushies at the RNC with his Bushies from the campaign. Exactly. So, uh, you know, in a way, you know, people are policy, and Reagan understood that. And if you want to, you know, enact policies that are successful, you got to put the right people in totally in your administration and make that change. And, you know, that's what the Biden administration has done with these radical policies. And basically, you now have, instead of the first or second term of Obama, you have Obama third termers in there. Exactly. People like Blinken and, you know, uh, Sullivan. Uh, domestic advisor in the White House. And, you know, Sullivan, you're right, another one. So there, you have the, the third or fourth team from the Obama and Clinton administrations coming back, doubling down on the failed policies that didn't work for America back then, and just railroading them through and trying to get as much done. And, you know, there, it's enabling a, a phenomenal amount of destruction on the United States and the world right now. Yeah. It's a, uh, on that note, uh, we, as you know, always give our guests the last word. Uh, it's been a fascinating discussion, as always, with you, John. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, your last thoughts? My last thought is that we got to keep hope because you've got seven months till an election. People have to go out and vote in primaries. They have to figure out who the Trump conservative is in these primaries. And regardless of what the establishment or the mainstream media says, you got to vote for them. And then what we have to do is make sure those candidates win in November. Because right now, the best remedy and, and medicine to uh, these failed Biden policies are going back to the Trump policies that worked, whether it was energy, the border immigration, economic growth, uh, national security. I mean, we have to go back to those policies that we know worked just a matter of a few months ago, even through COVID, the worst historic pandemic in 100 years, the Trump policies were working. And... Uh, you know, we gave them a gift when we left office with a growing economy and vaccines and a strong country. 
and they've destroyed it in, in just over a year. And we've got to go take it back. So people need to go vote in primaries and in the November election. And fight like hell, if yes. I may add that. Uh, John, thanks so much, as always. John McLaughlin, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, and you can go to McLaughlinOnline.com uh, uh, to go through the details of his monthly report, uh, his monthly polling, uh, and we encourage you to do so. John, thanks for being with us. God bless you. Lou, thank you. And, go, and keep getting the truth out because the great part is people are listening to you and they will be motivated and they will, they will save America and they'll save the world at the same time. Absolutely. We thank you so much, John. Uh, John McLaughlin, and uh, as you heard, uh, he, is, uh, he has his finger on the pulse of what's happening in this country. Thanks for being with us, everybody. And a program reminder, Tuesday, April 5th, President Trump will be our special guest here. That's Tuesday, April 5th, for President Donald Trump, right here on The Great America Show. And tomorrow, our guests will be the Federalist Sean Davis and the attorney Alina Haba, representing President Trump in his lawsuit against the alleged perpetrators of what he calls the greatest scandal in American history. And I think he's right. Please join us. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America.